All right, guys, welcome back to the show. I have Mr. Jake here uh, with me, uh, and I, we've been, you know, <laughs> wanting to already record our episode. So welcome, Jake. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to make this happen. This has to be the best show of all time um, for all the work we put into it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so tell us, <laughs> tell us, Jake, I mean, I know you're in the, in the wholesaling real estate yep. industry, right? That is right, yeah. So um, I guess a quick one-two on me is that... Uh, Played hockey my whole life, got hurt, that whole kind of basic story. Didn't know what I wanted to do for a while, found real estate in college, met my business partner in college, freshman year, across the dorm hallway there. Uh, we started doing some wholesale deals senior year um, and uh, did that after school as well. I had, to, I had to bar back for about six to nine months until we went full time. Went full time last November um, and I've just been scaling it up ever since then. That's awesome. And how long, uh, uh, you just started your company not too long ago, correct? Yeah. So we started in 2020. It's really been like three years, but we were like, we started junior year in college. So yeah. I would like, I would like call three hours in between classes and senior year we did four deals. Right. Um, but full time. Yeah. We started um, October of 2022. October okay. of 2022. Yep. So we're about like 15 months in full time. Um, and last year was a really pivotal year for us, uh, really focusing in on what we wanted to do because we started out doing so many things. I think this is a common thing that people do is chasing too many rabbits, right? Too many shiny objects. Right. You're trying to do too much at once because we were trying to buy multifamily. We were trying to be realtors and we we're trying to wholesale. Yeah. And it takes so much effort just to do anything, whether you're doing like the, sh I think you're doing short term things like that. Like yeah. You've got to put so much focused effort into one single thing to really catch any traction. So it's not to say you couldn't do three things at once, but it's just going to take so much longer to get those off the ground rather than just focusing all your efforts on one. So 2023, we really dialed it down. No realtor stuff, no multifamily stuff. Um, my business partner who was kind of doing acquisitions acquisitions with me had shifted to the disposition side of wholesaling, which I can um, get into like the basics of wholesaling later. But um, so then we were working kind of yin and yang versus both right. of us kind of doing the same thing, right? We, we, we both had our positions uh, and we started to build a team. That was the biggest thing that's taken us from doing like a deal every other month to doing like three to five deals a month. You know what I mean? Is having that yeah. team. Yeah, so you just focus on wholesaling just for that. Exactly. Yeah, just for that. So since like the beginning of, um, yeah, I guess really October is when we, we dialed in October 2022. Um, and then it's just been such a learning curve in 2023. But now we feel like we have this, the systems in place to really scale. Um, right. Like our, our goal for 2024 is a million dollars in revenue for the business, right? Which is very attainable that we have. I need to hire a couple acquisition managers uh, and kind of get out of that position. But 2023 was really a year of putting the systems in place, right? Figuring everything out. Because um, I think one of the hardest parts about building a business is not yes. only doing the work, right? Doing the work is hard enough, like <laughs> making yeah. the calls, showing up, being consistent, but knowing that you're doing the right work, you don't even right. know if you're doing the right thing. Right. And that's kind of part right. of being an entrepreneur is like, Hey, is all I heard Alex from Ozzy say this the other day is all the time and effort that I've put in even going to pay off. You don't even right. know. You could be working for two months all for nothing. And right. that's the, the, the risk you take, you know? Yeah, and, and that's definitely it. I mean, when you're an entrepreneur, you don't know what's going to happen. You just have to kind of, you know, follow those systems, have a system that you can just stay consistent. Exactly. Yeah, you got you to gotta have the systems. 
especially if, because when we look at this wholesale business, we're like, we're always looking at the starting with the end in mind, right? What's the end goal of this? The end goal is to get out. Like it's a grind, right? Yeah. Um, but we're looking at it as this could be a cash flowing asset for us, just like a multifamily property could be, right? Right. We can put the systems and procedures in place, the SOPs, the standard operating procedures, and then hire those positions out, right? We're out of it. We're five, maybe five hours a week in it. Um, and then that'll be cash flow for us to then go buy multifamily property. Right. That's the end of the year. <laughs> okay. Hold on. I thought... Yeah, we're talking. Uh, did I, have I ever heard about something blank? I guess like a quote. <laughs> yeah, because you brought a good point. I, I think the average person doesn't really know uh, the difference between real estate and the sectors you can go in. Can you tell us what wholesaling is? Yes. So wholesaling is essentially, I like to look at it as like the acquisition side for people who fix and flip. Right. Um, because anyone who fix and flips, they don't want to cold call and text and do all these things to reach out to people, right? Um, mm -hmm. So that's like our value in the marketplace. Our business is essentially uh, sourcing off-market real estate deals. That's all it is. It's a direct-to-seller business and it's essentially just marketing and sales. That's it. Real estate's the product. So we have a whole team designed around cold outreach to sellers, get the deal under contract, right? A purchase and sale, say at $100,000, and then we'll sell that that paper to an investor at say one fifteen, right? right? So say the property's worth two fifty, dollars all fixed up, right? We right. get the property under at 100. We might assign that contract to a fix and flipper at 110. Flipper's happy because like, great, this is still a deal if I buy it at 110 because the, the the fixed up value is 250. There's enough meat on the bone for me. Right. I don't mind paying your fee because you did all that work. Seller gets their number, right? And the yeah. seller's typically someone who has some sort of problem that's being solved aside from price, right? Because um, people who sell to us are people who are willing to trade price for speed and convenience. Right. I think that's one of the biggest misconceptions with wholesale. Uh, it's like, oh, you're out here lowballing people, taking people's homes, all these things. Yeah. But it's like there is so much other, so many other things we do besides just making the offer, right? Like we had a seller in Manchester, New Hampshire, where we had to end up paying for all of his moving costs down to Texas, right? So we oh. got him um, a moving company to his house, brought everything out and shipped down to Texas. He didn't have to do anything except just walk out of the house. So things like that, right? Where he's like, hey, I know I get more money, but like, I just want to get out, get to my family in Texas, right? Uh, my d wife died a few years ago and I just need some help doing all that. Like, I don't really care about the price. Boom, right. perfect, right? We come in, get it at a number that works, give him that extra value, solve those problems, get him down there and it's a win-win-win. Yeah, you do, you deal with the headaches and that way you get paid for it, it you know what I mean? Yeah, it's <laughs> it's the headaches, it's the headaches. We're chasing headaches, but the bigger problems you solve, the, the more value you provide to the marketplace, the more money you get, right? Because essentially your income is equal to the amount of value you provide to your community. Right. So the more value that you can provide, the more um, you will be compensated for it. So yeah, it is it is some tough problems out there for sure, uh, And uh, but the more, the more problems you solve, the more the better. Um, the better, the more money you're going to make. Yeah. Not that it's all about money, but that's just a direct <laughs> correlation. Yeah, and a lot of investors uh, need wholesalers. They need people like you because we don't want to be always finding the next deal. You know, we just want mm -hmm. somebody to take care of that. Position manager. Some flippers don't want to do that. They just yeah. or or Airbnb people, right? So we're selling our deals to all sorts of buyers, right? It's not just fix and flippers. It's people who want short-term rentals, right? Like we sold a deal in Tampa. It was a turnkey owner finance deal. Actually, it was a creative finance deal. Um, fully furnished. The seller was selling it fully furnished. Wow. Um, so we got that deal and ended up selling that one. So all types of things. And 
honestly, the best wholesalers will understand their buyers the best, right? They'll understand the deal and who is this deal best suited for. Right. Because a fix and flipper is essentially going to pay the lowest amount of money, right? Because they're trying to make a quick buck. (laughs) Yep. Next, the next highest buyer is going to be like a buy and hold investor, right? Because they're not necessarily needing a ton of money. They just want like a little bit of equity. They're going to hold it over the long term. So we could essentially sell the deal a little bit higher to like an end buyer or not an end buyer, a um, a buy and hold investor. Right. And the highest person or the person who's going to pay the highest is an end buyer, like someone who's going to live in the property. Um, So if it's a really nice property, sometimes you can do uh, what's called a novation. You can actually list it on the market. Um, if the property passes like a four point inspection, meaning that the roof, electric, plumbing, um, structures, and, yeah, yeah structure is kind of good. Uh, so it qualifies for financing. So it's a bunch of different options. That's all dispositions. I don't deal with that too much. That's what Isaiah does. So Isaiah does dispositions. So essentially in wholesaling acquisitions, will take it from hello to the homeowner, right? right? All the way to when they sign a purchase and sale. And then once we have that, Isaiah comes in and then he's going to take that. Okay. This is a, we have a hundred thousand. It's in Tampa. And it's a three, two. Okay. Let me look through my list of buyers. Okay. Yep. Tim, he likes properties that are three, two in Tampa, Jody, she likes those properties. So he's going to put it on, on the person, um, person's plate. Who's most likely to, to want that property. Yeah. Yeah. You definitely have, have to have a whole team for that because you have to have a whole funnel as well. Right. Of like leads. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I got to have an entire funnel and there's um, different lead generation strategies. Typically people are going to start out with outbound marketing, which is cheaper, which is cold calling, cold text. Um, But inherently those leads are less, uh, they're less motivated, right? Because when we're reaching out to people, we could catch them at any point in their timeline. They might be eight months out. They might be five. They might be three months out, right? So there's a lot of follow-up with that. And you typically need a lead follow-up manager. Um, but when you're doing inbound marketing, which is when you pay, uh, do PPC, pay-per-click, right. uh, direct mail, those people are calling you, right? So that means they're ready to sell because they're on the internet searching, okay, I need to sell my house fast for cash, right? So when they're yeah. calling you, when, when they're at that point, that means their timeline is now. It's not in four Later, months. Yeah. Like they're not doing that if they're four months out. So um, direct correlation there, right? You got to spend more money in PPC and typically... Um, you don't see someone doing PPC until they're making a decent amount of money because you probably have to spend at least, I mean, six to $10,000 a month, right? In marketing just for PPC alone. So um, you got to have at least a, a decent business going to be able to, to afford that. But um, once you can, you're really just looking at your return on investment, which is simply how much money am I putting towards this and how much money am I getting back, right? If I put a dollar into PPC, how much am I getting back in four yeah, months, right? Am I getting $4 back, $5 back? And that would just yeah. be like a 4X or a 5X return, right? And then we look at cold calling. Okay, I put a dollar of cold calling or a dollar towards marketing in cold calling and I only get three and I only get $3 back. Okay, so the return's yeah. not as great. Let's double down on PPC, less on cold call, you know? So that's kind of how you gauge your different lead generation um, sources. And do you do with a lot of states or do you have certain licensing in certain states? Yeah, so you don't actually need licensing to wholesale because um, you're acting as the principal in the transaction. So we actually are purchasing the property. We're just assigning our rights to purchase it. Right. Um, whereas being a realtor, you're like a fiduciary. You go through the Realtor Association, you get licensed. So no licensing, uh, but there definitely are different regulations for every state. So we operate in Florida and we operate in uh, New Hampshire, Maine, Mass. That's like where I'm from up in New England. Um, so there's, there's definitely little nuances you have to understand about each state, um, like legalities and things like that. 
um, which is you kind of got to brush up on on your own. Uh, yeah, those are our two main them. markets. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Some states are kind of like they see wholesaling as a third party, and you don't need a realtor license, but they do see it as like, hey, you have to follow certain protocols. That's that's a very fair point. Yep. So there's definitely regulation coming towards it, and honestly, I think it's great. I think we should do some regulation on it because. Uh, you have a bunch of bad apples. Well, it's really like anything, though. I mean, you got yeah. whether it's, you know, I mean, like you have bad apples in every industry and then they yeah. give a bad name for everyone. So it's kind of tough. Uh, but I think some buried entry would be would be great um, because you get a lot of people out of the industry who are just like rolling off their couch trying to wholesale houses. You know, yeah, all those yeah. people would be gone. Not that it's even that hard to get a license, but that would right. just inherently eliminate a lot of people who are just too lazy to even do that. So great. Get out of there be more opportunity for the rest of us and it'd be only the serious people and then people are i mean it's like not an issue for us and for a lot of people who have ethics and standards and who can run a right. good business but for the other people who you know are are pushing the, the lines here then it could be good to have have some regulation there but yeah i think like um georgia ohio illinois pennsylvania south carolina they have different regulations around wholesaling um like i think uh ohio Ohio, Illinois, you need a license. You need a real estate yeah. license. Um, and other things are like South Carolina prohibits commercial harassment, which is a very gray area. Like, what does that even mean? Um, <laughs> yeah, like, so a bunch of stuff. So ultimately, I could see eventually. I don't think for a while, though. Like, I don't think for. Yeah, it's going to take mean, years. Five, ten years, you know? Yeah. Um, you still have time. <laughs> you might, yeah, I know. You might need a license then. Then, So I'm licensed in New Hampshire and... Um, main but it's like i'm like active inactive so i can always just reactivate it if i need yeah to. so yeah and i was gonna ask the lending part like do you guys partner with different types of heart lenders private lenders yeah so there's actually no lending involved in the wholesale transaction itself because what happens is say we're going under contract on january 1st at a hundred thousand dollars that closing is not going to be till january 30th okay. and so we're not going to need to bring any money in, and essentially until then so we'll have like a due diligence period of say two weeks until January 14th. And within that two weeks, we're going to reach out to all of our contacts, see who may want to buy it, and we'll have it assigned before any money needs to be transferred. So really okay. no money out of our pocket for the transaction. Um, okay. But with that being said, uh, it is a good question. Sometimes you will have to do what's called a double close, which is instead of just assigning it in that 30 day period, I would actually have to bring the funds to closing close that day and then it, and then immediately resell it right yeah so some states who don't that's the thing if they ban wholesaling people are just going to work around it. they're going to do the double close right yep you can get what's called transactional funding and, and they will literally just fund you for like 24 hours the money for like say two points or two percent of the loan uh and you can just get that money close and then resell it immediately uh yeah. so at the end of the day it's i think it's always going to be because there's always going to be a value to it because no one wants to do it it's su such a pain in the neck to reach yeah. out to people and cold call and do all those things that well i think that there'll always be a value in it for people in the investing industry right and there's always going to be people who have problems in the in the marketplace as well so they're always going to need to be getting saved right because realtors they don't really want to deal with that right yeah like, they want the nice fixed up house doesn't need any work they can just slap on the market right yep. that's a realtor's dream they yeah. don't want the hoarder house you know what yeah. i mean like that's like almost a stain on their name as a realtor if they're listing a hoarder house so there needs to be someone who's kind of helping those people out you know um like, you know you have to fix it up or ready to go whatever you're like the middle guy you're the one that's connecting the dots yeah exactly so um yeah like i said it, it, it and it's about those 
typically people have other issues where they need to, they need to close quick, um, or it's those other issues that you're you're um, you're trying to address. My favorite analogy for like the whole wholesaling thing is you're driving down the road, right? And you want a bottle of water. You stop at the at the the gas station, right? And you pay three bucks for a bottle of water. You know that if you went to the grocery store, you could get a pack of waters, like maybe 24 waters, and they'd each be like 30 cents probably, right? Right. But you you willingly choose that bottle of water because it's convenient, right? You're yes. choosing the convenience. And you're willing to pay a premium. So it's the same thing with wholesaling, just reverse, right? They know they could get more money, but they're choosing the speed and convenience, typically because they're in some sort of situation, and they say, "Hey, this number works for me," right? So that's where you create the win-win. But we're always trying to do a win-win-win, right? Win right. for the seller, win for us, win for the buyer. And if you can do that on every deal, then um, you'll build a good reputation. Yeah, I mean, and you've been in the business for a while, so you, the market doesn't even affect it. This is something like outside of any market. Like it's just people who need to get rid of their houses or sell buy right away. Like you're, like you're not affected by the market, like the interest yes. rates and all that. Yeah, it's a really interesting point. So we're not directly affected, and, and you're right, right? These people have issues. They're always going to need to be solved, right? It doesn't matter if the market's up or down. If you're in a right. divorce or a foreclosure, you got to get that taken care of, right? Yeah. So. Those problems always need to be solved. However, we do have to adjust our numbers, right? Because okay. interest rates do affect fix and flippers, right? Because anyone who fix and flips, we say, oh, these are cash offers. They're not really cash, like from the bank, right? It's what we call hard money, yeah. which is just for I know you know, but for the audience, yeah, hard money, asset, yeah. <laughs> yep, asset-based lending, right? So that's um, someone who's going to lend at a really high interest rate, typically 10, 12, 14%. And they're going to lend based upon the deal. So these fix and flippers go to these hard money lenders and say, "Hey, I got this deal. Look at this. These are the comps. This is my scope of work. Will you lend on it? Yep, looks like a good deal. Um, I'll give you the money." Uh, so with those uh, with those deals, it just um, it, it can be tough for those. Um, or sorry, the uh, the rates are going to change for those lenders. Yeah. That was my point, right? So like, say the interest rates change from the Fed. Um, that's going to bump up those lending rates. So fix and flippers are going to need to buy at a deeper discount if interest rates are higher, right? So we have yeah. to be aware of that because if we're locking up a deal based upon, say, a 20% discount, but now those fix and flippers need a 25% discount because their lending is is more expensive, we have to be aware of that. Um, and the other thing that interest rates affect are the, uh, the the flippers selling their deal on the back end, right? Back right. in COVID in 2020, when Um, interest rates were so low, like flippers were literally buying properties and just banking on appreciation. So they they buy it like yeah. only maybe like a 10% discount, which is super super high, like super risky. But they're like, okay, I know the market's going up right now because interest rates are low. I'm just gonna bank on this this thing going up over the time of my flip. But now it's different, right? Um, I mean, interest rates have come back down, but when interest rates were at like seven eight percent, they're they're way more conservative. They got to buy it like a 60% discount. You know what I mean? So if we're still Locking stuff up at a, at a, only a 10% discount, we're not going to be able to sell those deals. So we absolutely do have to pay attention to it. Um, okay. and it does affect us in that way. Yeah, yeah, it just depends. But yeah, I know right now people are really more conservative right now. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, I think they've come down a little bit uh, interest rates, but um, overall, yeah, I think it's been like a point or something. But I think they're going to keep coming down next year or this year actually. Yeah, it is pretty cool that it is kind of a recession-proof industry in a sense, though. So, um, but you're right, right? It doesn't matter to us really. We just adjust our numbers, so yeah, it affects us in that way that we have to kind of. 
be aware of, of, of how we're running our numbers, but we can still get deals. We just either got to get them cheaper or we can give them more money, you know? Yeah. And I was going to ask the following question. As far as the deeds, since you sometimes have to deal with that, is there any, I guess, situations you've encountered with like deed problems or anything like that? Do you have to have like an oh, attorney yeah. to deal? Yeah. You get definitely run into some title issues. We've had a few. Um, we still got one under contract right now. It's a freaking killer deal in Exeter, New Hampshire. We're just waiting on it. But one of the biggest issues we run into with titles is there's two people on title and one person dies. Yeah. And you got to figure that out, right? Yeah. So I always get these mixed up, but essentially if there's two people on title, they either are on there as tenants in common or joint tenants um, with rights of survivorship. Yes. And I believe when it's joint tenants with rights of survivorship, if the person passes away, all of the rights are going to go um, right to the other person or it's tenants in common. It's one or the other, but yeah. um, ideally that's case. the case, right? Yeah. But we run into these issues where that's not the case, right? And those interests of the deceased party, they pass to like an heir and the property yep. has to go through probate. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? And it just never yeah. went through probate. It's been like 10 years. It never went through probate. So you, you get the deal, you get all the finish line and it's like, oh, well, there's party A and B, party A passed away. His interests never went through probate, right? It needs to go yeah. to the, needs to figure out who gets his interests. And so you yeah. run into that, we run into that multiple times, killed a few deals for us, honestly. And, um, and that's why but, I tell people to get them in the, like just to get a property in a trust, to be honest. I think a trust is mm -hmm. always easy. Oh yeah. Well, probate is, I mean, probate is because people don't have trust, right? Yeah. They just know, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Which is a lot of people though. You'd be surprised like how many, I don't know. It's just yeah. it's crazy. And that's what now when actually our first flip we did, my boyfriend and I, um, we fell into that. And I learned that it's just put it in a trust, not even an LLC or anything. I think a trust is just easier to deal with. And you just mm -hmm. assign people who can, you know, sign off on it. And that's it. Because once you go through like the LLC, it's still going to go through probate. Like it has to be in a, in a land trust or a trust. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's what I've heard. The, the trust is the best. Um, but it's just so surprising how many people own properties that don't yep. necessarily know what they're doing. You know what I mean? Yeah, and they have and millions just of like, dollars in property. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is wild. It's yeah. absolutely wild. Yeah, and my next question, uh, I won't take too too long of this. Um, what do you suggest uh, when a person wants to start their investment route? Like, should they go with you know, a wholesaler? Like, what's the, the right, I guess, path? Mm, nice loaded question. Yeah. Um, so really, for one, it depends where you're at in your life. Like if you're 25 like me and you don't have a wife or kids and have all the time in the world and you can be selfish with your time, okay, maybe you start out wholesaling. I don't have a ton of expenses. I can be more risky. If you're right. 45 and you have a family and a husband or a wife and kids, um, uh, you might have to take a different approach, right? And, and it depends kind of what avatar you want to play. You can be a wholesaler, but that's building a business, right? Maybe you already have a really high income earning W-2, right? Right. And you just want to buy property. Then you just team up with wholesalers. You don't need to go wholesale, right? So figuring out what hat you want to wear. Um, and having a W-2 can also be an advantage because you can actually get loans, yep. right? Um, mm -hmm. You can actually qualify for financing. So kind of figuring out what you, you want to do first and then kind of testing it out. I think, I think you want to focus on one thing, but in the beginning, it's good to try a little bit of everything and then and then um, pick what you want to do so i like to say go an inch deep and a mile wide for a little bit and then once you identify something you want to go an inch wide and a mile deep right right into that into that thing um but that would be my, i guess my best advice there
Yeah, because I, I have a lot of people that are, because I'm 30, so you're, you know, you're five years mm-hmm. younger. Um, but a lot of people are like, I don't have the money. I'm like, dude, team up with someone. Like, someone that you know, oh, yeah. trust, and just get them on, on a contract to say, hey, you know, this is going to be our property, our first investment. And then later on, buy them out. Yeah. Well, if you don't have any money, wholesaling is a great way to get started because you technically don't need money. You need a little bit of money to start your marketing and, you know, cold calling and stuff like that. But you really, you could get started for nothing. You could use your phone, go drive around your neighborhood for some ugly properties. Um, And then you can use True People Search. It's a free, free search engine to find phone numbers. And you could do it that way. It's not the most efficient. But if you had like a few hundred bucks a month to get started, you could start cold calling and, and finding deals. And that's one of my biggest recommendations with wholesaling specifically when getting started is to do what we call squat up, right? Okay. There's so many moving parts from A to Z to do to do it. It's like it, it intimidates most people where they just don't even get started, right? Yeah. Um, but for starters, you'll never know A to Z in pretty much anything you do, right? It's always like, you know, ABC. And then once you're done that, DEF appears, you know? Right. Um, and then G and G, whatever it is next. Um, so uh, <laughs> I think... I was trying to think of the alphabet, G-H-I or whatever it is. I got to sing it. <laughs> no worries. <laughs> um, and then, uh, but I think squatting up with someone in your industry who's doing deals in your marketplace, right? Um, yeah. So say you're in Florida, right? You might have time, right? You have no money, but you have time, right? Yeah. There's, there's three parts of doing a deal. There's knowledge, time, um, and and uh, effort, I think, right? So if you yeah. have the time um, and a little bit of knowledge, you can uh, you can go out and do those things, right? Or no, it's knowledge, time, and money, sorry. Um, <laughs> so if you have no money uh, and, and limited knowledge, but you have a ton of time, take that limited knowledge and go cold call, go generate leads, right? And then go bring those leads to someone who's actually doing deals. They can close it. They can give you a little money, but in the process, you can actually learn how to do a deal, right? Which is a ton of value in and of itself. Um, yeah. So I would just go, go squat up. Don't feel like you need to do it all yourself because that's just overwhelming. Yeah. And I mean, and you also know the hot markets. I mean, I'm in San Antonio. It is crazy here in San Antonio. I mean, Austin kind of cooled down, but San Antonio has been one of the hottest markets, like the top markets right now. Yeah. I can't even imagine. I've, I've heard Texas. Well, it's just such a large population over there. It's so dense. I mean, Florida has been, cause I was originally from New Hampshire and it is, it is freaking rural up there. I mean, you ain't finding much. (laughs) I mean, it's like, it's like a house. You got like two miles, like another house. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, coming down to Florida has been great. And we were a little apprehensive at first because we were like, ah, you know, it's so, it's going to be so competitive down there. Yeah. But the thing is like going from New Hampshire to Florida, okay. The competition might be three X, but the amount of properties is like six X. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's just way more, it's so much more dense, way more opportunities uh, and we've just been having great success in Florida. Now it's like our favorite market ever. Cause then when you do find a deal, you have so many more buyers than you do in New Hampshire. Yeah. Florida is a really good market right now too. Florida is strong. Yeah. <laughs> Texas is good. I think we'll go into the Carolinas next. Texas is a non-disclosure state though, right? Yeah. It's a non-disclosure state. That's the only thing. <laughs> yeah. It makes it a little tricky with, uh, comping and stuff, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, uh, oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, you go ahead. Yeah, you like oh. you need like MLS access, you know? Yeah, and that's the thing. The MLS, I mean, even for me, like I don't even want to get my license just to get the MLS. It's just sometimes it's good word of mouth, door knocking. Some Like you hear a lot. And San Antonio is a very small, big town. So everybody kind of knows like, oh, that person wants to sell. Like, oh, okay, you can door knock on them. Or, you know, it's very yeah. like small town feel. Yeah, I, I got to get over there. 
you got Dallas, what do you got? San Antonio, Dallas, Fort Worth, and then Austin. Are those like the three big Yeah, ones? those are the big the big hubs. Houston too, but um Houston, Austin yeah. is really good. Dallas is really good as well. I mean, these mom and pop people, you know, you just you they gossip a lot and you hear it. They post it on Facebook, like, hey, I'm gonna sell this property. You just call them up and that's how they make deals here. So it's it's I like markets like that. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think it's great advice though, to to team up with people just in general, you know. Yeah. I think, I think we we need to have more of a, a collaboration, not competition mindset, which I yeah. think is pretty common, honestly. I feel like people would be surprised. Like, every, like we're all essentially competitors in a sense, right? We're all looking for deals. Yeah. But at least the people I'm around for the most part are, do a really good job of kind of collaborating, you know. Uh, yeah. Maybe taking a little bit less on a deal to do do it with someone, because um, like I've had a couple of deals in. Um, Massachusetts where okay. me and another guy I know who also wholesales are both in on the deal we realize that we're both on it, and then we end up just teaming up on it right right um, and just in, and working the deal together instead of trying to to compete with each other um, yeah, so I think it's a works. Yeah. yeah it always, always works in yeah. the end <laughs> and what's your plan always. for the next five years or maybe two like what do you where are you taking your company like what's your goal yeah so next two years uh, so this year, like I said, we're trying to do a million. So we did about 350 or 400,000 um, in revenue last year, which is great. We're trying to get our, our systems figured out. We're trying to go to a, to a million this year. Wow, um, congrats. Yeah, thank you. So um, it's been it's been good. Doesn't really feel like, um, still feels <laughs> like we're nowhere, but we're pushing. Um, and then, um, but sit, like from the system standpoint, hire a couple closers. Um, and then by the end of 2025, we're hoping to be out of the business like five to 10 hours a week in it, right? Meaning yes. that all the positions are filled out, right? So on the acquisition side, we have lead gen, lead follow-up, and then the closing seats. Um, yeah. And I guess I'll just go into detail on that real quick, just so people understand. So yeah. on the acquisition side of wholesaling, you essentially have three departments. You have lead generation. So we have cold callers and textures who are reaching out to a big list of people. Essentially anyone who says, hey, I'd consider selling my house, that's a lead. It's so gonna get pushed to our CRM, which is like where all our leads live and where we follow up with them. Yeah. And our lead manager is essentially gonna qualify all those leads coming in, right? Um, do they really have a, a real reason to sell? Are they a good fit for our business? And the biggest thing is what is their timeline? If it's right. within 90 to days, like 60 to 90 days, then it goes up to the acquisition manager who works a, a sales process and tries to get the seller to come to a decision of, yes, I want to sell the property. It's a good fit or no, I just don't really want to sell it right now. Right. So right. those acquisitions guys are kind of at the top. So that's what I'm looking to hire out um, a couple of people in there uh, this year. I think that'll get us to kind of that million mark because it's about like 80,000 a month is what you have to be doing. Yeah. Um, so that's that. But it's, I mean, that's just kind of a natural progression. I think of a wholesale business, you can probably get to a million. You can probably get to a few million a year. Um, yeah. like if, if you just kind of follow what everyone else does. Um, but Isaiah and I both are like, Hey, like whatever, get it to whatever it needs to be in terms of money. But if we can just buy our time back, that's like our biggest yeah. thing, you know, is like, let's just automate it and then get out. So that's our goal. Like 2024 is to hire the closers and really finish all the systems. So yeah. then in 2025, we can just kind of scale it a little bit and just step out. Um, yeah, and, it, and, then, and essentially you just work on the business, not in the business. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And then we're like business owners, you know? Yeah. Um, Cause right now it's like, yeah, I own a business. Like, well, no, you run a business, right? right. <laughs> you don't own it yet. Like you can't like just walk away until you can yeah. like walk away and, and you come back and it's like, 
doing the same or it's even growing, doing more deals, that's when you're like a business owner. Um, yeah. And that's great. And then you got all this cash flow. Oh, I finally remembered what I was going to say in the beginning. I have to say this real quick. <laughs> yeah. So you, you know the stat that um, they say like 90% of uh, millionaires did so through real estate? Yes. Jerry Norton, who is this guy in this space, was talking about this. And he's like, I think what it is, is um, a lot of these people, they didn't necessarily become millionaires through real estate, they they had, they started a business, right? Yes. And that business was kicking off so much cash flow, right? That they needed to go out and buy real estate for the depreciation, right? Because yes. say you're making a million dollars a year, you're only keeping half of that, which is insane. Half of that, exactly five hundred thousand. So all those people who are like newly minted millionaires in whatever business they're in, all their accountants are like, you got to buy real estate. You have to go buy real estate because you're about to pay five hundred thousand in taxes. Right. Um, which is super interesting. So that's kind of our philosophy is like, let's build a business first, exactly. right? And then we'll go out and, and buy properties, right? Because um, if we're just like trying to accumulate rentals like a two or three or four here, we just think it's going to take so much longer to, to kind of build up that cash flow. So um, yeah. that's the idea is first, like get rich, then get wealthy. That's what Brett Daniel says, like get rich yeah. first, right? You can't just get wealthy off the bat. You got to get rich. You, gotta, you need a business that's going to bring in you, um, good money and then you can go build the wealth with real estate yeah anything you can do with that um but yeah i think there's so many skills to be learned for being an entrepreneurship in general or being an entrepreneur in general um it's definitely a tough industry and there's a lot of ups and downs and roller coasters and all that but uh i heard someone say this and i really agree with it like i think it's one of the best self-development tools um that you could ever have is like being an entrepreneur going through that process right because you got to be sharp. I mean, you got to be disciplined. You got to be motivated. You got to be on your things. You got to be responsible, right. right? Accountable, right? No one's holding you accountable except yourself. So being consistent, like all those traits are just traits you need for anything in life. Like anything that you're going to do that you want to accomplish, you got to be consistent, determined, persistent. You got to be accountable, yes. right? You got to have a positive mindset, right? Or you're, you're not going to make it. So um, I think there's a lot of transferable things from going out and starting your entrepreneurial venture. Yeah, and the first thing is just getting it, like, just do it. Like, there's no other way you can learn just by doing mm. it. You have to fail. You have Gotta to fail. Gotta get in there. Yep. And you're that gonna is be... a, such a huge thing. Yeah. <laughs> you're going to be dealing with legalities. Talk to accountants. Talk to lawyers. Talk to as many people. Payroll. I'm pretty sure you're going to need payroll because you're going to pay people as well. I just interviewed someone that uh, in Dallas, he came out on CNN, Fox uh, Business News, and he was telling me, he's like, man, payroll is one thing that a lot of entrepreneurs just miss and they end up paying all the taxes back. So, you know, mm. it's important to know people that guide you as far as the accounting side as well. I mean, my boyfriend's an accountant. That's why I've been successful at it because he's like, lucky. no, 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 we need to watch it. <laughs> lucky, lucky. Yeah. Having uh, an accountant with you for sure. <laughs> Yeah, that is huge. Having those those people on your team. We were just talking to. We're looking for a new accountant. But we were just talking to someone in um, in uh, Tampa, and he was giving some information on the S corp and stuff. I was like, what? Yes. The S corp. I was like, oh my gosh. Yes. Um, it's crazy. So we're excited. I'm excited to like upgrade that because our corporate structure right now is essentially Isaiah has his own holding company. I have my own holding company, which right. is like an LLC. Yeah. And then under that, we have like. Um, our wholesale LLC, like that, that brings in income, but essentially right. it's like um, wholesale LLC at the top, income comes through and then it gets split into both our holding companies. So we each own 50% of that income producing LLC, which is nice because we could have done a holding company together, but then we'd be essentially married because 
yeah we'd always have to do everything together but with separate holding companies and i think this is just a good tip for partners in general if you have separate holding yeah. companies then i can go do like investments that maybe isaiah doesn't want to do and that's okay i'll go do that right but we can still have our three four businesses together maybe i want to do a business on my own um yeah you don't, so, you're not really tied to him you're just kind of like yeah you have your own thing yeah and a holding company for anyone who doesn't know is like essentially a parent company yes that owns all of your little baby companies right and all your little yes. baby companies are like making income right but they all go back to your parent um company it's just a just a thing yeah and that's something why. that people <laughs> need to yeah that's something people need to know because once you start making real money you need to figure out what works for you yeah and it can happen quickly like it can happen quickly like our business in 2023 was doing nothing at the beginning of 2023 and at the end we're like holy crap like, yeah yeah you're like wow. we got to get an attorney we got to get all these yes. things you know what i mean like it's just like it just happens so um definitely be on the lookout for that and uh and yeah getting a good account i think is huge like i'm not afraid to make some money because ideally you get to a certain point like you pay yeah you pay the account the accountant x amount of money but he's saving you say you pay him 5k but he's saving you 50k or 40k yeah, yeah. on the year you know so it's like a no-brainer yeah, definitely. And I always tell people that are, you know, coming up in the business or even already making the money you're making, like, it's like, it's important to just know how much money you're making, how much you're paying out. Am I really yeah. profiting or am I just living check to check, but in a bigger scale? Because I've seen people like I've spoken to millionaires too, that are like, you know, I didn't know I was making money. I wasn't even making money at million, 2.5 million. Like I was paying all that out in taxes, you know, revenue, payroll. And at the end no. of the day, I was like, man, like I'm not really making anything. I'm like, that's what I'm afraid of. Like, I don't want to make so much money that it's paycheck to paycheck, but at the million dollar scale, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like that's no fun. Like, yeah. And it goes back to the conversation of like your whole financial thermostat. Like that's a pretty yeah. common thing, right? It's like, oh, your financial red line, right? You're yeah. making 50K, right? Your expenses are 30, but now you're making exactly. 100K, but now your expenses go up to 80 and you're still stressed out all the time because you're like yeah. right on the edge. And that continues happening all the way up. Make yep. it $3 million, your expenses are freaking 22,700,000. It's probably even more stressful because you have all these massive things that you're paying for. Um, whereas if you made like 2 million and your expenses were like 100,000, you'd be like the most stress-free person ever. Like I'm set yes. for years. I could yeah. not work for years and be set, you know? Yeah. Which is, I think, point. yeah. Yeah, it's important to be wealthy, not just rich. Like have have a time where you're like, if I don't work for the next two years, I'll still be fine. And that's how you know you're you're making it. <laughs> yeah. It's uh I think maybe Robert Kiyosaki said it, but he's Yes. Like how how many how long can you not work for, you know? That's how wealthy you are. All right, yeah. well you can you can live for ten years. Well you're like ten years wealthy, or you said something like that. Like you're ten years wealthy. Right? Oh, you, you know, can go twenty years without working and survive. But... It, I love I love his book and I love his his everything that he talks about and when I, ret I retired at 30, I'm 32 now. I haven't, you know, I worked a real job in two years and I'm just like, it feels great, but everything's paid off. Like I have, I don't have bad debt. And I tell people pay off your bad debt first, you know, and, and start doing, yep. no matter how you do it, but just start buying your time back. Because trust me, once you get to 30, you're going to start like realizing like, dude, like this is no fun, like working all the time. <laughs> yeah. Dang, retired at 30. Congrats. That's freaking amazing. Yes, it took, a, man, it took so much like work, but I had an end goal. I started at 25 too. So you're doing it right on time. I started at 25. Yeah. It took me five years to get to this point, but now I'm like, 
abundant in time and i'm also getting cash flow and i like i kind of did it the opposite you did it you're doing it smart you're building like a big corporation i kind of just started buying assets very young and yeah. i borrowed money from family members and i i actually listened to a realtor that i shouldn't have i made a mistake in doing that because they kind of just look at the commission they don't care about what you're doing they don't care they're just like no buy it this is this is a thing and i lost a lot of money doing that but now i learned my lesson <laughs> i don't go with yeah. any realtor anymore and uh um, yeah we were able to scale and, and now we're just my, my boyfriend wants to get out of his executive job and probably in two more years he'll be able to get out but we're just going and i really think the model you have is is exactly the way everyone should do it like build a corporation yeah, I, I yeah, I appreciate that. I think that's a great model. And, and there's no right way to do it though. I mean, you, you, right. you ended up where you ended up. I mean, it, it yeah. worked. So, it's not wrong, but I mean, it's uh <laughs> everyone got their own way. You're going to make a ton of mistakes, right? You're going to listen to the wrong people, and that's just part of the path to um, becoming wealthy, right? Like Alex Morty says, you're going to be you're going to be poor until you uh, learn all the lessons that poverty has to teach, right? Yes. You're just going to be it's just going to be what it is. You got to learn those lessons, and until you learn the lessons, it's like I mean, I guess the biggest thing, it's like you have nine failures, but you have one success, you know, and that, but that success get skyrockets you, right? So you got to be so kind of numb and just used to the failures and not phased by them. Right. Um, but it's like, you know, it's okay. Well, it's, it's not nine failures. It's nine ways that didn't succeed. It didn't work. That's all yeah. it is, you know, and you yeah. just got to find the way that does. And I, I love that. And, you know, wishing you success in your company and your corporation and more deals coming this year. You're going to get to the million dollar mark and even more. You know, I see you retiring maybe in three years, two years. Um, and you can just, you know, not relax, but you can just kind of oversee your business. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to, that's, uh, we're going to make it happen. Now, now I got to make it happen. Yeah. Ali told do. me on the, the Cheek Podcasting show that I need to, uh, to do it. So now it's going to be in my, in my journal. <laughs> And one thing too, before I, I kind of wrap it up, don't have kids yet. I always tell people, wait to form a family, wait to do all that until you're like your mid thirties. Like there's no rush. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I couldn't even imagine right now. That'd be like, yeah, yeah, it's crazy how much time you have to put in though. Like I'll just be like all the time, you know, um, I kind of, I kind of have a negative quality of just like, I'll like work to a fault. Like I'll just go, 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 no exactly. break until, yeah. I, until I'm like, Oh my God, like, what like am I doing? Out. I'm, I am so exhausted. I never want to do this again. And yeah. then I'll take like a little break and I'll be recharged and I'll just do the same thing. Like it's yeah. almost just like, I don't know. It's crazy. But anyways, um, yeah. yeah, definitely. If you can avoid that, then, then build it up. And once you got your money right and all those things and then starting a family, I think it's the, the move that's what you could do <laughs> i didn't yeah. so I'm, just, I'm still good like i don't i, I always tell my boyfriend like, i don't want anything right now i want to keep investing i think it's yeah. it's important when you have a goal and you're gonna be a millionaire for sure <laughs> i appreciate that yeah it's um it's inevitable right i think we, we can all be anyone can be a millionaire right you got to yeah. do the things that get you to become a millionaire and i talked about this in like before but like you just got to think about okay, what does a millionaire do? And then just become that person, right? What does a millionaire exactly. do? Well, they're probably disciplined. They're probably hitting their numbers every day. They probably go to the gym in the morning. They probably don't drink all weekend. You know what I mean? Just think yeah. about it. Think about the person you want to become. What do you think that they act like, right? And then just go do those things. And then inherently you will eventually become that, you know? And they usually do the opposite that the normal people do. You know, they don't yes. stick to the normal things. You know, people love to always have fun first. And then they're like, oh, now I want to build a business. It's like, no, you got to have... First build a business, then have fun. There's no fun in that. 
Yeah, you can't be the 1% acting like the 99%. Exactly. You know what I mean? So yeah. inherent so like you're you're going to be doing things that everyone else is not doing. So you exactly. have to get over the FOMO and the fact that like, oh, they're all doing this, you know. Um, you yeah, have to get thought. used to kind of going against the grain. Yeah. Because if you did what everyone else did, you wouldn't have the results you'd want. You'd have everyone else's results, which you don't want, you know, and for the most part. What sucks, they're going to be stuck at their nine to five while you're already going to be like in a yacht somewhere. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So is is what it is. I mean, not everyone's built for it. I don't think um, yeah. everyone has the, the, definitely has the capability and the potential to do it. Uh, but I think some people's, I mean, some people are just are built for other things, you know, they don't really have yeah. the character traits for it. Not that they can't do it, but, um, but yeah, I think yeah, just people doing whatever. Be an entrepreneur. <laughs> no, no. I mean, it's, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's good. Though. I love it. <laughs> well, thank you, Jake. Uh, you know, this was an awesome conversation. Like I said, I have a big network of, uh, real estate professionals on my Facebook, on my LinkedIn. So I'll make sure to share your information. I have, I have you on LinkedIn as well. I think this is important awesome. so people can know that there's this option of buying real estate, that it's not just a regular traditional way, you know, with a real estate agent, you can do, you know, with these acquisitions like your company. Yeah. Like for investors. Yep. There's definitely yeah, other ways investors. to find these deals. Exactly. Exactly. Um, awesome. I appreciate you having me on and uh, I look forward to maybe coming back after I'm a retired millionaire. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> well, thank you, Jake. You have a good day, okay? All right. Thanks, Allie. Bye. If you liked the episode, please feel free to give it a rating. We are on Apple Music, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. You can even check out my YouTube channel, and I have a few episodes uploaded there. Um, I also have an Instagram page. You can follow me at The Chick Chatting Show. Thank you so much for listening to this episode and many more. If you also need advertisement for your business, your book, anything, just let me know. Uh, reach out to me via my social medias or my direct email link as well. Um, I also have a link tree on my Instagram. You can find all my information, contact info. Thank you so much to all my listeners globally. Um, I can't wait to get on more platforms to bring you more value and better topics as well. Thank you so much for supporting my podcast. Thank you.